Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bold, Director of Public Affairs. We're going to talk with our legislative team to dig into what's going on in Missouri politics and national politics that affects Missouri agriculture and rural Missourians. B.J. Tanksley is our Director of State Legislative Affairs, and we have a lot going on at the Capitol early on in the session. B.J., what's the biggest topic this week over in Jeff City? Yeah, it's great to be here again. Um, probably the biggest topic in the Capitol this week is the state budget. You know, the governor rolled out his proposals for the budget um, yesterday afternoon with a press conference and uh, talking about some major cuts that are going to have to happen. You know, everybody just got the details today themselves, but we do know there are going to be some pretty, pretty hefty hits, um, probably higher education taking a big hit is probably getting the most of the coverage, which is real. Um, and as we dive into the uh, the other line items, we'll see what those effects are. But that's probably the thing taking the most conversation in the Capitol this week is the, the governor's budget proposal, because as we know, that's the beginning of the budget process, which does affect a lot of us and a lot of those uh, government services. Sure. Actually, you were just over at the Capitol earlier today uh, while while you were there, Dean Daubert from the Mizzou Kaffner School, the College of Agriculture, Food and Natural Resources, came by here at uh, the Farm Bureau offices and sat down with a handful of us just to talk mostly about his uh, initiatives on uh, value-added agriculture, but also about the budget cuts and how it's going to affect Kaffner. I think it's something we're going to be um, learning a lot more detail about over the next few days and weeks, but he was pretty concerned about some of the potential cuts there. So definitely will be interested to uh, to see how that shakes out. Yeah, and I think uh, I think those things are real, especially after mm-hmm. we've seen multiple years of cuts. Um, some of these places that have been hit year after year are, are starting to say, uh, where did the cuts come from now? Mm-hmm. I think they, that's a real been, deal. They've been absorbed in the past, but it's getting to the point where there's not much more to absorb. So, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the, we also saw some action on the broadband initiative that we've been working on quite a bit. Yeah, we talked about that a little last week and um, saw from the governor's office the announcement of a rural broadband initiative where he is bringing the Department of Economic Development and the Department of um, Agriculture together to work on bringing rural broadband to the rural areas of Missouri. So something we're really excited about. Um, You know, Missouri Farm Bureau has been talking about that for a while, and the governor took the first step there. The first step of that initiative was to bring, um, to start an office of broadband manager within the Department of Economic Development. Now, that's an option that uh, Missouri Farm Bureau members got behind at our annual meeting just back in December, where we said we were in favor of an office of broadband. When you look at states that are outperforming Missouri and, and connectivity, most of those states have a centralizing office to, for, to focus on those issues. They take the information from both public and private sector and organize that in a way that makes sure that the state's moving in a coordinated effort to make sure we're connecting more people, not just better, better connecti- connectivity for some people, but getting more people connected at a, at a reasonable speed. It's a long way to go because Missouri is definitely at the bottom of the pack with some of our rural connectivity. So having that central point to coordinate, I think, will be very helpful. Yeah, we're pretty excited about that. Obviously, we're just in the first phases of it, but uh, look forward to working with that new position, um, bringing them up to speed with where we are and, and talking about how we can all move forward. Over at the Capitol, uh, we also have had a lot of talk about transportation issues. Uh, this week, we well, yesterday and, and today, had our uh, every other month, we have a, a state board meeting, and we had some of the leaders in the transportation issues 
come over and talk with the board. What did we learn from them? Yeah, we had uh, we were lucky enough to have a Representative Corlew and Senator Schatz uh, join us for our board meeting yesterday at lunch, and they were the co-chairs of last year's Transportation Task Force, which went around over the summer visiting about 10 different stops, talking about our transportation system, the future of transportation, and how we need to move forward in funding. Um, they actually had a pretty, uh, a pretty large task, but it was great to have them come in here and, and review some of the highlights of their report, where they talked about the need for immediate funding, where we know that there is a need for funds. Um, and then long term, how do you stabilize that funding? Whereas, you know, a fuel tax may be good in the short term, but as we see fuel economies continuing to go up and, and ride sharing and others, we may have to look in other directions to continue to fund our transportation system. So uh, took an all-encompassing look at it, and it was great to be able to visit with those two leaders in the transportation discussion um, as we move forward with this year and hopefully are able to get something done. And if not this year, how do we move forward with a system that does need additional funding. You also had, uh, we talked last week about your new initiative to bring some of our members from the grassroots you know, level to the Capitol to talk to their members of the legislature. And we got um, snowed out a little bit last week. We had some problems with the, the weather and some of the timing. So this week, it uh, sounds like you were able to make that uh, first first stop over at the Capitol. How'd everything go? Yeah, things went great. Today was the first Capitol Connection visit. It was scheduled for last week, but uh, wasn't able to get that done. Today was a very uh, successful trip. We had uh, about six members come in from our east-central region, most of those from actually south-central Missouri the area, came up and visited, made about 10 different legislative visits, uh, and had a great impact, talking about the things that matter to them and just connecting with their legislators. Um, a great opportunity for our members to reiterate the reasons why the issues that we're talking to those folks about on a daily basis, why those matter back at home. Um, always making that connection is a great deal. Um, I think there's some things we, we can adjust as we move forward, but I think it was a successful day. Really appreciate those guys coming up. Everybody's busy. There's a lot of things on everybody's plate. But to be able to make that personal connection really helps us all as we push forward in the same direction for all Missouri Farm Bureau members. Well, I think it's a great initiative and a good way to show the true grassroots support that we do have coming from our membership. Yeah, and just, just again, and can't reiterate how much we appreciate those guys taking their time to come up here and spend it with us. Mm -hmm. What do you see on the horizon for the next week or two over at the legislature? You know, everybody's trying to figure out what's going on. You know, we're really getting down into the business of session where mm -hmm. the, the routine starts to become in. We're seeing some bills start to move. Um, I still think tax reform is an issue that people are going to be talking about with the governor rolling out his principles of tax reform. I think that will be a topic of conversation. And we're just starting to see the legislative calendar start to roll where we're seeing some people's priorities already starting to move throughout the Capitol. Um, so you'll start to see a, a myriad of things on the on the horizon, um, including some agricultural bills and and some multiple other things, uh, insurance reform and others that seem to be taking some time on the floors. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned it just a little bit last week. Any uh, developments on the, the governor's situation um, that he's been fighting, the battling with? Um, yeah, I think the... Uh, Everything seems to be cooling down at this point. You know, it's it's hot when it's new information, but at this point, I think most uh, most people in the Capitol are saying, let's take a moment, breathe, and and see where this thing goes. Mm -hmm. I think uh, uh, as far as we can get away from that is is best for the legislative <laughs> process. You mm -hmm. know, but as more news continues to come out, everybody has more reactions. So the the more time away from new news, the better off I think everybody is at this point. Everybody I seem seems to be taking a pause button and saying, let's just see how this all plays out. 
um, and make sure that the if there are any legal systems to play out, let those do their, their time. Uh, and if not, let's see how we can move forward. Yeah, and the federal government shutdown seems to have taken a little bit of the oxygen away from that uh, over the past week or two. So um, maybe that was a fortuitous uh, timing to, to give us a little bit of breathing space, but we'll see where it plays out. Yeah, it was nice to have the controversy on the uh, the other side for once again now. <laughs> That's right. Put that on Dispenser's uh, plate instead of yours. Exactly. <laughs> Great. Well, I appreciate you coming by and uh, good luck with this week's stuff over at the Capitol. I hope that everything turns out well. Yeah, it'll be another fun week. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Spencer Tuma is our director of National Legislative Programs. And Spencer, we were a little bit worried at the end of last week that we wouldn't have all that much to talk about this week, but that sure changed quickly. We had a a government shutdown change things up quite a bit in your area. So on Friday, January 19th, the continuing resolution, which the federal government was funded through, actually ran out. Uh, The House of Representatives did pass a funding resolution that would have funded the government through February 16th. Uh, However, the United States Senate did not like that idea. They decided that they were going to uh, instead vote to shut the government down. They were not able to reach the 60-vote threshold in the Senate. Uh, Senator Blunt and Senator McCaskill actually both voted for the government to stay open. However, it did shut down for about three days. Uh, Yesterday, which would have been Monday, January 22nd, the Senate did pass a continuing resolution that actually only funds the government through February 8th, so a week shorter than the House version, and that passed the House late yesterday evening. Yeah, so we are back up and running, and we didn't have to go through too much trouble because most of it ended up being over the weekend, so there was really only one day um, of true, you know, weekday shutdown, I guess. But I, I think that we all kind of learned a little bit over the over this process of what a shutdown really means. Um, Absolutely. What what does a shutdown mean um, to the USDA? Sure. So uh, actually. It's kind of a misconception. A lot of USDA offices do stay open because a lot of their functions are what are considered essential. And if you're labeled as essential by the federal government, that means that you stay open through a government shutdown. So things like inspections, things dealing with international trade, a lot of those offices stay open. Mm -hmm. However, uh, local FSA offices and some of those what would be considered or labeled by the government as non-essential are actually closed. Uh, Something I did learn that I didn't know about a government shutdown, this being kind of my first time dealing with that up close and personal, was that USDA employees who are employees of the Foreign Ag Service, so they work at embassies in other countries, as soon as the government shuts down, all of those employees are required to make plans to return home. (laughs) So I guess if you have a long government shutdown, that probably works out pretty well Uh because you have time to get back. But uh, I would guess that there were some folks who started to make their way home and then had to turn around because it was only three days long. So. Well, yeah, and I actually uh, went through the shutdown, the last shutdown four years ago, working in <laughs> Congresswoman Hartzler's office, and it was definitely uh, a lot more intense last time around because I think uh, there there was a pretty broad understanding this time that this wasn't going to last all that long. But when it lasted a couple of weeks last time, there really were a lot of implications that people had to make those plans and actually return home and 
the the shutdown um, of the national monuments, national parks really made a big difference. This time just seemed to be almost, a lot of people didn't even seem to know what was going on. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I think uh, when it happened over the weekend, that definitely lessened the immediate effects that a lot of people saw in their local communities. But yeah, the last government shutdown was like 16 days long. So uh, <laughs> this being my first time, I can't imagine uh, kind of what that would be like. So. It, what, what it's like in a congressional office is you sit around and stare at the walls and wait for an, an answer to come down from on high. <laughs> they, they say, hey, we finally, uh, the smoke comes out of the chimney and you know now there's a deal. So we're going to go vote on something. So cool. it was a very long, stressful time, but we didn't really do anything until it happened. So sure. it was fun. Um, the uh, news came out yesterday also that uh, Secretary Purdue is going to be releasing the Farm Bill priorities and uh, the principles, I guess, is what he's calling it for the USDA. Have you heard about that? What What is going to be contained in there? Yeah, so I have uh, been made aware of it. We haven't been made aware of any details that I'm aware of, uh, but that announcement is going to be happening in Pennsylvania either today or tomorrow. I've seen a couple of different reports that have conflicting dates, uh, so we'll be watching very, very closely for those details when they come out. Of course, Missouri Farm Bureau has a lot of priorities for the 2018 Farm Bill, uh, the first of which is maintaining crop insurance. We think that's a very important safety net for our members and farmers and ranchers across the nation, so we're hopeful that the secretary will be able to lay out a plan that really emphasizes the importance of crop insurance. Well, I think that it'll definitely be interesting to see what they uh, lay out there. That's going to be one of the bigger um, pieces of the puzzle is what USDA's priorities are uh, in how we can tweak the last farm bill to make it work better for farmers because they're not going to propose any major policy changes, obviously. That's not their role. Um, And Secretary Purdue has made that pretty clear that the legislative branch's job is to legislate, not the uh, executive branch. Their job is to show the legislative branch, hey, here's some places where we could maybe make this work a little better. Yeah, absolutely. And we're still waiting for the House Ag Committee to release their first version of the Farm Bill. We were hopeful to have that by the end of this month, uh, but I've been hearing rumors that that might not happen until the first part of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been a report that the proposed date for that to be heard in committee is actually on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so um, hopefully we will avoid another, another government shutdown on February 8th. And mm-hmm. And then hopefully be able to uh, have a sweetheart farm bill, if yeah, you will. That would really throw a wrench in the plan. So let's hope that we get through uh, the budget discussions and get something figured out there. Sure, absolutely. Um, last thing I was going to mention is the uh, Action Center that you've been working a lot on to get that um, filled out with some ideas of things that people can do, our members can do to try to encourage our members of Congress and our state legislators and others to take action on our priorities. What Could you tell us a little bit about what you've been working on with that and what members could do to try to try to take action. Sure, absolutely. So Farm Bureau is in a really unique position because we truly have advocates for agriculture all over the state through our members. Uh, We partner with a company called Voter Voice to implement our Legislative Action Center. And what that does is it allows our members to go online to our website or through our Facebook page uh, to take action on different issues that are important to Missouri Farm Bureau. So for example, right now, 
Uh, the state of Missouri has proposed some water quality standards, and the EPA is trying to impose their water quality standards in place of the state's. We don't think that's a great idea. The EPA plans much more costly, and I'm sure uh, Leslie Holloway has been working on this issue for mm-hmm. a long time. So if anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out to Leslie uh, or myself. But what members can do is they can visit our Legislative Action Center, and it takes less than a minute to actually send a comment to EPA that says, we hope that you use Missouri's rule instead of the federal rule. Um, So it's very, very easy to use. You can log on to mofb.org and click on the MFB Issues and Policies tab, and then there'll be a little drop down that says Action Center, uh, and follow the steps. I think all you have to do is enter your name and your email address, and Mm -hmm. then you can send your message. It actually is a less than a minute process. It's very simple. I was thinking it was going to be a lot more complicated to, to submit something until you showed me how to do it. So um, definitely, it's not a heavy lift if you want to put your name in um, to show the EPA what you think, or on several other issues. And we're going to be trying to populate that with additional issues over the next few weeks and months to make that a more uh, robust place that you can come and talk about any of the things that we're working on. Um, and and we, we see ourselves as uh, at Farm Bureau as a totally grassroots organization. We do what the members tell us to do. They vote on the policies and then we try to help push them. But actually having members' voices speaking is a lot more valuable a lot of times than uh, having us just talk about it all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a really, really useful tool. I encourage everybody uh, to check that out and use it. And once you actually take action for the first time, you're automatically opted in to receive any future action alerts from Missouri Farm Bureau. So it's a really good way to stay up to date on some of the issues we're working on. Yeah. And it makes it even faster to do it the next time. That's true. (laughs) Takes even less time out of your day. All right. Well, thank you again, Spencer. Appreciate the work you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Leslie Holloway is our Director of Regulatory Affairs. Leslie, what's going on this week in regulations? Well, there's always something going on. Um, I guess one of the things that we've been looking at pretty closely this week pertains to uh, air emissions. And the uh, EPA had been looking at uh, regulation pertaining to air emissions that would impact livestock operations in particular, as well as other agricultural operations. They had initially uh, issued a a rule that would have required reporting um, above a certain threshold of emissions of things like ammonia and hydrogen sulfide, Um, but they exempted, at least in the initial rule, they exempted agricultural operations from that requirement. However, um, the the, uh, exemption was challenged in court, and the courts ruled against EPA, saying that they could not issue that type of an exemption. And subsequently, um, EPA notified uh, the agricultural community that that requirement would likely be going into effect. However, uh, the court uh, is to issue some sort of an an order, a mandate for that reporting requirement to go into effect, and they have not done so. There has been a request for an extension uh, on that time frame by some of the agricultural organizations as well as the Department of Justice and the EPA because no one is sure how to advise uh, farmers and ranchers how to go about estimating the emissions. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very complicated issue. No, that's a huge deal for our our members. If that actually does go into effect, we could really see a gigantic problem for how, how do you calculate those things? How do you report them? And does the EPA and the government have any business uh, being in, in that collection of that data business? 
I think I think we're going to hear a lot more about it. Yes, I agree, Eric. And and there are some uh, real questions about the actual science, whether the science even allows for those types of measurements to be made. In fact, the EPA had undertaken a very comprehensive study of emissions from livestock operations over the course of about 12, 15 years, came up with a proposed model for making estimates that model was rejected by the Academy of Sciences. Uh, they said that there simply wasn't enough um, backing for the proposed uh, modeling, and so they told EPA to go back and develop a, a new model. Um, EPA has declined to regulate uh, livestock operations under the Clean Air Act, which was another approach that the environmental groups took to try mm-hmm. to force EPA to take action. But if the science isn't there, there's no way to hold people to the uh, the numbers. Yeah. Does, does this relate to the any carbon emissions type of uh, measurements, or is this solely other gases? No, this is this is solely other other types of gases. It's it's not directly related to the uh, carbon emissions. No. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, that's another step that I know a lot of environmental uh, groups have been pushing on that lately over the past few years is that they, they feel like animal agriculture is the one of the primary culprits in uh, in carbon emissions and greenhouse gas emissions. So they've been trying to find a way to go after that for a long time, and this may be the first step towards that. That Yeah, absolutely. Once, once you get that type of emission, and then, of course, you get into odor, which is mm-hmm. even more difficult to try to quantify. Right. And there are groups that are pushing for both at the state level and at the federal level. In fact, at the state level, we're seeing uh, new activity going on now with the Missouri Air Conservation Commission, where environmental groups have come in and uh, asked that the state start regulating odor more strictly. The very largest confinement operations in Missouri are already regulated for odor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably a, approximately 20 uh, facilities of that size that, that currently are regulated for odor, but uh, the Air Conservation Commission had determined after studying it several years that the smaller livestock operations should not be regulated for odor, but there are groups that are now back uh, calling on the Air Conservation Commission to take action. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things that is often tried, they try to regulate that with the county health ordinances, and sometimes those uh, are not based on science whatsoever. Yeah. I actually, I believe you may have shared an article with me earlier this week or a few days ago that was um, a, a new application for a CAFO permit where there was a county health ordinance, and they were trying to say that any odors had to be reduced to a non-detectable level. Exactly. Well, that's absurd. Everybody knows uh, sure. that that's not even possible plus what does that even mean exactly um, and that can be a real challenge for local local uh, farmers and ranchers when they're trying to push back on yes. those types of ordinances that sound good because of course everybody wants healthy um, environments so yes why why wouldn't you want a health ordinance well it's because it's actually not related to science at all and no. it's really just a way to push back on agriculture it's it's being used in those cases largely where there is not planning and zoning mm-hmm. as an alternative to planning and zoning yeah it's an in run around uh, when they can couldn't get that passed exactly they passed something that sounds a lot nicer well what else, what else is on the on your plate with uh, regulations this week well uh, we have some uh, regulations pending pertaining to uh, Department of Transportation as well there's there are some reporting requirements that the US Department of Transportation is looking at pertaining to hours of service and again an exemption that agriculture has had for uh, certain uh, transportation of, of commodities under certain conditions certain distances and so uh, that uh, exemption is being reviewed and um, we are uh, advocating maintaining that that exemption 
how does things look for that? Do you think that we'll have a stand a good chance of maintaining that exemption? There's a, a hard. Uh, there's quite a. a quite a lengthy comment period yet underway so it's hard to tell at this point although I if I were to guess I would say that that exemption will be maintained I don't believe that there's been any particular um, problem pointed out Uh, this is in the course of a a review that had started um, prior to the current administration and I I don't believe that it's it's anything that they intend to change Mm -hmm. well that's good to hear any other pressing issues this week I think that uh, that probably covers it for now. Well, we've always got a lot going on with regulations. As you said, it's it's something that never ends. It's an ongoing process. So we appreciate the work that you do on that. That's what we're here for. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Leslie. We have a number of things coming up over the next few weeks we want to make sure you're aware of. First, we have Thank a Farmer Week, the first full week of February, the 4th through the 10th. We have a lot of um, things going on during that week with donations to all the Ronald McDonald houses around the state and a lot of County Farm Bureau chapters that are going to be doing local activities. So keep an eye out for those materials in your county offices and be sure to get in touch with us if you have any questions beforehand so that you can be prepared for the 4th through the 10th when Thank a Farmer Week happens. We also, at the end of that week, have the Young Farmer and Ranchers Conference in uh, at Tantara the 9th through the 11th of February. Don't forget to sign up for that and RSVP. Make sure that you're on the list because we're going to have a lot of people there. We have several hundred people already signed up and a good lineup for that. Third thing that we have this uh, coming up is our annual fly-in to Washington, D.C., March 13th through 16th. Spencer Tuma and Jill Fansler are still uh, getting the details nailed down on that and taking RSVPs for the people who are eligible to go. If you are one of those people, be sure to get them your information so you can go on that annual trip because it is going to be a great lineup. We have some wonderful speakers and visits that we're planning already. We also have the uh, Ag in the Classroom mini grants. The The deadline for that is May 31st. That's a great program that a lot of teachers take advantage of throughout the year to try to teach agricultural concepts in their classrooms. The Ag in the Classroom grants, mini grants. Applications are due May 31st, so make sure to tell your teacher friends about that and get them involved. And lastly, I wanted to make sure to mention the Action Center at MOFB.org. Spencer talked a little about that this week again, where you can go as a member and submit your thoughts, your comments to members of Congress or to the um, regulatory agencies that are working on issues that Missouri Farm Bureau is working on, you can submit your own personal comments through our Action Center. So go to MOFB.org. It's on the left-hand side, on the left-hand column. There's a graphic that says Action Center. Just click there, and within a minute, you can have your comments submitted to your elected officials. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week.